everybody, and welcome to a special edition of the Winging It podcast. Today, we are going to be launching ourselves into a whole new race series for this pod. Normally, we're a Formula One-based podcast, but today, there's just two of us, Nigel and Freddie, and we're going to be talking about Formula E. Nigel, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah, good to be doing a Formula E. One, we did do one like very, very early on, and then <laughs> didn't do anything after that, so it's been uh, two and a half Three and a half, no, two and a half years, but we're back. Uh, hopefully, if we continue doing the podcast this year, it won't be another two and a half year spell. <laughs> but we'll have to see how busy we are, obviously. Uh, but yeah, good to be doing it. We said there was a 75% chance, it's now 100% because we're recording it. We're actually <laughs> doing it, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Formula E is at an interesting point in its development, in its generations, in its life. Um, they're about to enter Gen 3, uh, which will be the third evolution of formula e as a as a as a race series um in the way that they correspond with electric cars they develop the car as it goes but i'm sure if you're listening to this you know that um we've just come off the back of a quite a successful gen 2 concept from the car side um the extended battery that they had for following the the first gen car went down a treat no car swaps 45 minute races regen working really nicely and formula e have built on that they've got cars that have more efficient motors, have more regenerative energy. They have a lot more speed inherently inside them if they've got a good, uh, a fast enough tire. Um, and it, it looks like it is a step forward in terms of overall stats for Formula E. Um, but there are some caveats that have been in the news quite a lot about this car and about the readiness of Formula E to go racing in Mexico in mid-January. Um, and having only had one Valencia preseason test with a few question marks over it from a lot of drivers and a lot of teams, Formula E is entering Gen 3 in a much more restrained and quiet state than they did enter Gen 2 in end of 2018. So that's what we're going to touch on today. We're going to talk about where Formula E is at with Gen 3, what we think is going to happen, if how, how sort of, to be honest, to set the tone, how sort of tentative and worried we are for a race series both of us really genuinely love um it's a bit it seems to be even more unpopular to like formula e at the moment despite the developments despite the progress it's made so nigel and i fly the flag and we'll continue to do so but probably quite critically today and then of course with the second half of the pod we'll talk about competition we'll talk about predictions for the year and we'll talk about what we think from racing from gen 3 with a but first, we should really talk about where Gen 3 is at. So, Nigel, we're going to start easy. First impression of Gen 3 car when it was launched? When it was launched, I wasn't really a fan, to be honest. Of the, I didn't really like the shape of it. Uh, it was launched back in, was it Monaco? Was it? I can't remember. Yeah, Monaco, end of Monaco. April, start of May, they launched their, their first studio concept. Yeah. So, on first impression, I just didn't really like it. But as the months kind of went on, I quite like it now. I've, I'm luckily to be at Valencia, thanks to Total Motorsport for sending me out there, and, uh, one of the few journalists. Uh, and I saw it on track and I quite liked it uh, from like a fan perspective or aesthetic perspective, let's say. It's meant to be lighter. It's meant to be faster. It's meant to be more efficient, uh, more power. It is certainly free of those things. Uh, power, efficiency, lighter. Uh, it's the speed or the overall lap time which has brought 
a lot of questions because I think Jamie Regal, the former CEO, he said uh, that the cars will be at multiple seconds faster. I think the general expectation was that was at Valencia there'll be about three seconds faster. That wasn't the case. It was just about half a second. Uh, was Maximilian Gunter, who was the fastest in Valencia. He was that was he was half a second faster than last year's Gen Two time, which is a big big surprise. Uh, and there's the possibility, I think, from what the drivers have told me, that the car could even be slower than the Gen Two car at some of the street tracks, especially if it's cold, because the problem they're finding is in the corners, there's not a lot of grip, and that's mainly because of the tyres. They've got a new, new tyre manufacturer this year, Hancock coming in, replacing Michelin. Uh, the drivers requested, or the FIA requested, to have a hard tyre. That's what they've got. But some drivers like it, the ones who are faster, and the ones who are struggling don't really like it. So that's the position we're kind of in in terms of speed. But to answer your question, uh, I've liked the Gen 3 car more and more, but the drivers, there's definitely mixed feelings. Yeah, I, I agree. When it was launched, I did think it's a bit sort of the wrong type of boxy. It was just sort of an arrowhead. But the more you look at it, and the more you look at it with liveries, with some of the nice liveries as well, like the McLaren and the Maserati, I think, and the Nissan, I think, look very nice. I think... Yeah. There's a few hit and miss liveries on the grid, but I know you're, you're not the biggest fan of livery chat, but I'm, even you probably like the Neo. Um, but they make them look a bit more Imperial Star Destroyer yeah, than yeah. Um, Top of a Spear. Um, but I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying and sort of what that, the mixed reactions. The hard tyre came from criticisms, but also sort of an un... A, 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 an unknown fact about the the Gen 2 Michelin all-terrain tyre they had, which was that it was quite a soft tyre, but it would be rinsed by the end of a race. And with the way Formula E works with sustainability and so on, they would only bring six tyres to a double header round and they'd have to sub out the tyres throughout the weekend. And there wasn't much sort of they could do with tyres in the race. And obviously with the duels format, there was much more, for particularly the top teams, much more energy going into the tyres at particular points because they were running at even higher kilowattage and so there was a lot of energy going into the tyres and by the time they get to the end of the race those tyres would be pretty shredded and yeah. we saw that very obviously in New York where there was a massive essentially thunderstorm at the end of the race drivers were trying to find any grip and basically the top five all sort of spun off into the same um, into the same runoff area at turn whatever it is turn six, five or six in Brooklyn um, a track we're not going back to this year but um that's for reasons of dockyard, um, but it's it 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 was criticised quite a lot back then, and yeah. understandably, a more durable tyre is 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 the necessary way to go. And Hankook have just come in, so we can't really dunk on them too much for their first tyre yeah. being a hard harder tyre. It's what you would expect. You don't want to go soft too early, but this tyre yeah. will develop throughout the year and will develop throughout the next four years. Um, as Hankook have the tender. So yeah. I think as concerns go, it's not the biggest concern. And a little bit of me is slightly okay with them being a similar speed because mm. I think what did help Gen 2 on the tracks that Formula E race at was that the braking zones weren't, were still, you know, good enough for them to send send a move, but also good enough for it to 
be quite close to the wall on a quality lap. So I do think there are elements of it that do help the early racing for Gen 3 in something that I was originally going to be quite critical of if they had a much faster car on street tracks. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the actual racing, depending on uh, if to get the lap count right, because there's no it's no longer 45 minutes for one lap. It's going to be a lap count. Not quite. I don't think anyone is sure how long exactly each E is going to be. So that'll be interesting. But if to get that right, the FIA, uh, I think the racing will be very good because the opening laps, everyone is going to be really struggling. You'll see the car sliding a lot. And the drivers are saying they can slide but still push on the tyre can last over a week, Lucas de Grassi said. Uh, so, if anything, from a fan's point of view, it's going to make it more exciting, if, if anything. I think in qualifying, what we're going to see in, in the group part of qualifying before the duels, the drivers will just stay out and just do multiple laps just to get temperature in the tyre, whereas last year, uh, they would do two runs, one in the first five minutes and one in the final few minutes. But I think this year we're just going to see them stay out because to get temperature, if they do go to a cold track, Mexico shouldn't really be a problem. I don't think but other tracks will be, like Berlin, for example. Riyadh. Um, we're going to see a big difference there. Yeah, Riyadh at night. Yeah, yeah, Riyadh at night. I think Rome is actually a lot late. Is in is in the summer now. It's so in Rome, July. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> so that's going to be interesting. But I think Riyadh. I think we've got a few unknowns with with Cape Town and Hyderabad. But um, other than that, I think. We do know where we're at um, with a lot of the tracks in that regard. Um, but let's get to the, the thorny point. Gen 3 hasn't had the cleanest start. Could you sort of outline the criticisms of Gen 3? Well, first of all, even before Valencia, there were a lot of crashes because of the, because of the brakes. Well, we've got a new braking system for this season. Uh, I believe... They're trying to combat this by adding, uh, what's it called, to the rear. Adding a sort of a supplementary brake, a yeah, mechanical to system rear. to the back of the car, as opposed yeah. to the electric regenerative braking they have at the front and the back of the car, because they've got two motors now for front regen and rear regen. Yeah. So they're adding a, a sort of mechanical rear brake that when the regen doesn't work, will still definitely clasp the tyre and, just mechanically stop the car. Yeah. I don't know if that's technical, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a fail-safe kind of thing if something does go Excellent wrong. Well, the, pro- the, the problem is there have been some accidents. Bwemi had a big accident in testing. Uh, I think all four of the Jaguar-powered cars didn't go out uh, in the afternoon or morning. They all, it, was, it was the rest of the morning session on day two or three because mm-hmm. of that. Uh, so that is a big problem. Because of safety, we've seen big crashes in Formula before. Uh, Eduardo Mortara in Saudi, was it Saudi Arabia? Mortara? Or no, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of yeah, Lina. It was, it was, yeah. it was, it was in Riyadh. It's the second race in Riyadh in 2021. Yeah. Um, and because of that, Mercedes cars weren't able to qualify because of the end of the practice yeah. session. After the practice started, just the throttle stuck, the brakes didn't work. Yeah, so it's, and there, it's have been some that... test, there have been some test, private testing crashes prior to the Valencia test. Um, yeah. Sam Bird had quite a big one um, for Jaguar, and Teo Porcher had one for, I want to say, Nissan or Mahindra. Yeah. <laughs> one of them, too. Yeah. Say. But a, a few teams have been very critical of, of the state Formula E is in yeah. attempting to start the season. 
and then throw in reliability issues, which we saw a lot of in testing, they'll just be cars stopping. Uh, I didn't get too much from the specifics of why, but it does feel a bit like, for those who are kind of more new to Formula E, if you were watching Ford one in 2014, it feels a bit like that where there was a lot of people saying there's going to be lots of DNFs because there's a new uh, turbo hybrid engine they had then and it's just going to be chaos. And it does feel a bit similar to me with that. Like there are some teams like the Maserati powered teams are looking very good. They they have had had, had had hardly any problems really, but a lot of the teams they have had issues. And we saw this in the early days of Formula as well, seasons one, two, and two and three, where the cars were just stopping the race and it almost came down to luck in a way. So you could be leading and then you'd suddenly stop and then there's 25 points gone. So I think we could be seeing a lot of that, especially in the early four or five races. Yeah, there have been quite a few criticisms pointed at Formula E um, as a result of this from within the, the paddock. Um, a lot of people aren't very happy that Essentially, they're starting the season with a with a brake problem on the car. The the mechanical failsafe brake won't be available till for a, a for a couple of months, yeah. and the majority of the season is front loaded. So the majority of the season is completed before a couple of months from now. So it's putting drivers in quite an unfortunate position. Mexico, at least, is um, a Grade One circuit for the most part, so the runoff there is a bit more generous than most Formula E circuits. But street tracks, you look at some. Uh, like um Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, Riyadh, or somewhere Rome later down in the season. These are these are fast Riyadh and Rome are fast tracks with walls right there. And they're fast in a Gen 2 car. And depending on how this tire becomes more knowledge more knowledgeable, they will definitely find more out of it than they did in Valencia, particularly when it in December of Valencia, if you're in the summer in Italy, you're gonna have a lot more to know about on a tire and it's just gonna work a lot better. And that's going to be, and it, it could get to a stage where it's a bit tetchy for this kind of thing. And Formula yeah. E is starting the season in that boat. Um, and we don't want to do Munger too much, but personally, as a fan, I, I, I feel a bit concerned by it. And I think um, from what I hear from team members, and I think particularly what I've read from the race reporter, Sam Smith has written about um, uh Mr. Mondlinger, the Porsche boss, has been very critical, very, very critical of what's gone on. So who knows what's going to happen? I, I will say, uh, I don't think it will be all doom and gloom. I think, I hope, well, I trust that a lot of the problems will be solved. I, I, I can see the reliability being lessened over the first over the over the season really and I, I'm, I think on the breaking I don't know is it because it can happen at any time can't it? it can happen in practice called final the race but I have faith that there won't be any incidents like right? but that's just me more hoping but it isn't yeah it's just difficult let's say uh just because obviously we you know it, it it's going to come down to luck. And that's not how a championship should be. If you know, if they're trying to be one of the biggest motorsport championships in the world, they shouldn't be having these problems. But they are, uh, which isn't good because you don't, you shouldn't be hearing about these things literally a week before a new season. It does depend on 
where the problems are. I think, like you were mm. saying there, the, the Stellantis cars, Maserati and DS, not to Cheetah, not to, yeah. not to Cheetah. I've already done, already got it wrong. <laughs> DS Penske um, have run pretty smoothly. The Nissan cars have run pretty smoothly, and the McLaren, yeah. Nissan, and just the Nissan Edams. So there could be an element that this is a problem for a Jaguar car, for instance, and and the Envision cars are the ones who break down from the lead consistently. And then there's always a Maserati to pick up the pieces, hypothetically. So there are sides of it where the championship can come down to luck. If it's a generic Formula E issue, we've seen mm-hmm. issues across championships before. Those of you who watched Formula 2 in 2018 will remember that they had to do rolling starts because the clutch didn't work. So you just had cars just stopped on the grid. Um, and that was dangerous. So they brought in a, a quick fix, a quick failsafe for that, which was the rolling start. They developed a new clutch, which they did. Um, but if it's a problem with one team's reliability, then that's from a competitive standpoint, that's obviously a lot better than to to to, to watch. But it is disappointing yeah. to watch, and as much as you expect teasing problems, I think um, I still think you, even if you're a team who breaks down, you can blame point your finger at the Gen three process of gen 3 development process as a concept rather than um solely accept the blame yourself yeah there, there is an argument to say the season should have been delayed by a year it hasn't uh and we're in the situation we're in now so it's going to be about who's going to deal with it best and at the moment it looks like maserati nissan uh mahindra to some extent are looking pretty good uh, it's a shame. I always feel with a new era of any motorsport, any new regulations. I saw the same with WRC last year. Not many people know about it. We're literally days away from the start for the first race of brand new season, new regulations. It's going to be lighter, faster, more efficient car. Quality of the grid is amazing as well. Keeps growing year on year. And there hasn't been much about it. I mean, the S world being negative now, but there's also a lot of positives there. And I do wish that was being pushed more, which we haven't seen, not just this year. Well, this year's only a few days. Over the last two or three years, which is a massive shame as well for the championship. But I think that's where, I feel from season five to six, there was a big growth. But then since then, since COVID really, it has plateaued, which is a big shame as well. Because we should be hearing more about Formula E like in general. There's, um, you can sort of point to particular waypoints of Formula E life in the start of Gen 1 and start of Gen 2. Gen 1, Formula E was, um, well, was on the, the, the back pages because of the big flip crash for uh, Nick Heidfeld, for the lead of the race at the end, right on the final corner of the race, that um, just meant that everyone, there were all eyes on Formula E. It didn't make, necessarily make people want to watch it, because to be honest, Nico Prost's driving was pretty wrong. But that's a different story. Then you've got... Um, Gen 2, Mexico, you've got Lucas Degrassi overtaking out of the line, Pascal Verline, and Pascal Verline ran out of energy, yeah. which said exactly what Gen 2 was as a concept in terms of energy and regen and so on, and also was just exciting in grandstand. And that really then bookmarked Gen 2. So frankly, Formula E is in a nice new position to have a new slate, to, to have a big thing to shout about. Mm-hmm. There's just a big hope that the, the big thing to shout about isn't people kicking up a fuss about something to complain at, and is yeah. a cracking bit of driving and cracking bit of action and even if even if you have like a cool strategy race where someone conserves energy better than someone else that's quite good 
and yeah. and that's some of the races that have worked really well you look at the 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 Riyadh, the second Riyadh race in season seven where sam bird won for jaguar with a, a good straight fight against robin france in the envision and yeah. it was a good straight fight and it was a really good little cracking fight so it, that did really well for them the time of a formula to the next couple of rounds um so i think that's what they need really they need uh, a good uh, story I think the racing in Formula e will always be very good. Like if if there's not too many reliability issues, as long as Etikars are safe, which I think they will be, that further down the line, the racing will always be good because of the nature of the cars. They can follow each other, they can rub a little bit, not too much this season because the front of the cars, uh, from what I've been told, is very fragile or more fragile than the Gen Two car. But the racing will always be good, and it's always going to be competitive as well. It will be a surprise to some extent if one team does really dominate. I mean, look at the amount of... I think pretty much every season the title has gone down to the final race. It's just how many drivers are involved. So that it will always have that on its side, which is great. Uh, and from that perspective, you do question why isn't it more bigger? Because it's it's got, from the sporting perspective, which is what most fans watch for, it's got everything going for it. I mean, yes, it's still only nine years old and that kind of thing, but yeah, it just doesn't seem as big as it could be going into a new era, uh, which is a shame. But yeah, we're doing our best to promote it here. We're doing our best. We 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 love Formula E and we want it to yeah. we want it to soar, we want it to do well and hopefully, hopefully fingers crossed, Gen three can generate a few nice headlines for the for the start of the season, which can hook some people for later down the line. Gen 3 aren't the, isn't the only change for Formula E this year. With with Gen 3 comes, you know, a good place to wipe the slate a little bit on a few rules. But the Gen 2 rules were pretty good when you think about attack mode. Um, attack mode has been altered a bit for Gen 3. Rather than having two four-minute blocks as a sort of standard, there will just be a four-minute blanket for the race. And that can then be applied in different ways. It still has to be activated twice, so it keeps the strategy fair for the offline activation of attack mode um but it properly needs to be armed in the car and then you can select as a driver how long of your four minute allocation you'll use in that stint of attack mode so you can do a one minute push on attack mode and then the next time you have to do three minutes or two and two or three and one and so on depending on where you are in the race so it adds an interesting strategy an interesting level of sort of of, of how a car and how a driver and team are going to push in that phase of the race so that will be very interesting to see in practice because it i don't know i don't know how you think about feel about it, nigel but to me sort of speaking it out it feels like putting on a, a qualifying tire for a few laps and seeing how hard you're going to push on that because if this tire can go pretty well then they can push really hard quite early but it, it becomes a, a question of do you save it or not what would you yeah I think, so we see this in previous seasons as well, the drivers want to usually use attack mode early in the race. We very rarely see them leave it for the last few laps because that's when the battery temperature is quite high. And I think that will still be the case uh, this season as well. So I do feel we'll still see the drivers using it early on. And I think it will obviously depend on the scenario and that kind of thing. But it wouldn't surprise me if we see them use two and two or use the three minutes 
in the first bit of the race and then just leave one or two minutes of attack mode for the uh, second half or the middle of the race, perhaps. Uh, but I think just strategically, it is fascinating. It is pure. It's not gimmicky at all. We've got rid of fan boost as well. So anyone complaining about Formula who says, oh, it's got fan boost. You can't complain about that anymore. We've got, we're going to have a great race. Nothing anyway. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it only, there were a few times where the podium position changed and that kind of thing, which was a bit annoying. But the worst time was when Pascal Verlein got a penalty for not using the fan boost at the right time because he basically didn't get the advantage, so got penalized. (laughs) Fantastic footage of Alejandro Agag. Getting absolutely infuriated by that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, there isn't. There's no fan boost this season. The other thing I see people complain about Formula is the tracks. For me, they're on the street circuits, so you get to see the drivers pushing to the limits. There's no need for track limits. You get to see them close to the walls, pushing hard. Yes, to save it in the braking zone, but in the actual corners, they're getting really close to the walls, and with a harder tire, they can push in the corners or race flat out pretty much and slide as well. Uh, so. For all from that kind of racing perspective, with the strategy element we're going to have now with the tracks, we've got uh, Brazil, India, South Africa coming to the calendar this season, Portland as well is the American race. It is all very, very good uh, as long as it's competitive, which I think it will be. Uh, so, yeah, like I said earlier, I think the actual racing, as long as there's not too many reliability issues, will be very good. Yes, I, th- I think, yeah, I think we both agree that these cars are going to look really cool on street tracks and are going to look really cool side by side. Mm. Um, and that's quite exciting. But it's who is side by side. Look at that segue um, that we're now going to talk about because having had our Valencia testing, having had our man on the ground with Nigel, we've been able to actually get a relative competitive picture. Um, yeah. You could suggest Valencia. Sometimes it's touted as a complete random track for Formula E, but over the course of Gen 2, there were a few nuggets of information that you could take, and the fastest times did tend to translate pretty well into the earlier rounds, um, particularly with BMW usually being quite quick at the early rounds yeah. and quite good in Valencia. Um, so maybe it's a Max Gunter thing, because Max Gunter top testing from Maserati, his new team, his team is only in out of... Um, circumstance really because Nick DeFries went to Formula One and his Solantis car mates so the DS cars that run the same car as the Maserati due to automotive rules um, life due to that kind of thing are Van Dorn and Jev Jonik Verne who are pretty much equal a tenth behind in the same car and then Edom Ortara is ninth but not a massive gap in terms of time off a few tenths off so that's Talantis car in that in the hands of four very good drivers, four drivers who have won races and fought for championships, basically. Not not so much in Max Gunter's case, but he has been in vague championship fights in Formula E. I think they're gonna be the four front runners this year. I agree. I think so. Maserati is basically the Venturi team, it's the same people, it's just got the Maserati brand a bit more money. Come to there now as well, alongside Mortara, who's been there for all of all his formerly career, hasn't he? Yeah, he so, has since season three. Yeah, so wow, yeah, so I agree. I think they will be the front runners. They looked reliable. They had the pace. They did. I think five hundred ninety-seven laps off the top of my head from an article. I'm just going to look at uh, Total Motorsport. Uh, read it there. 
Uh, so they should be good. Obviously, it's only testing, and Valencia is a very different track to most of the formerly tracks that we go to. Uh, so I think informally, it's about who's most consistently at the front, and I think Maserati and DS they're always going to be in the duels, or most of the time they'll be in the duels. They'll have very good race pace at most tracks. So that is what I think we're going to see uh, this season. I think those cars will be towards the front and then everyone else will kind of be a bit more inconsistent. Uh, so then we could, probably could have three or four drivers, uh, Vern, Van Dorn, Gunter and Mortara in the championship battle, I think. A driver and well, a team which has popped up pretty well is the new McLaren team as well. They They are now no longer the Mercedes championship juggernaut of recent years in Formula E. Mercedes have pulled out, but the team has continued as McLaren. The same same manufacturer, same people in the team. Ian James is still the team principal. Jake Hughes has been promoted from reserve driver to race driver. Rene Rast has been brought, DTM legend Rene Rast really, has been brought in to lead that team. And they've not looked shabby either in terms of pace neither has the nissan team but with a the nissan edams works team with a bit more of a inexperienced lineup well in terms of actually pretty similar when you think about it with norman nato and um sasha finestras um but they've all been there or thereabouts as well as yeah. have the mahindra cars and jaguar cars in terms of pace so there's a lot going to be knocking on the back of DS and Maserati. Yeah. So if there is a slip up, there will be people to pounce and there will be challenges and there will be attempts to attack. So it's the classic sort of we think we know what's going on, but also it's just going to be all over the shop. But it's it's, yeah. it's the consistency of the top teams of high points that's going to work on work well for this. And the the pace you can summon in the duels will be incredibly impressive. I think McLaren are probably going to be the closest challenges I think because Rene Rast on the first day in the in the press conference when he was speaking to the media he, he already said in law he already admitted that he, he understood why Mercedes had won the last two Formula E drivers and uh, teams championships with De Vries and Van Dorn and so coming from Audi to say that says a lot yeah like, I, I think this is one of the first times apart from the Porsche Super Cup uh, where Rast is not driving for an Audi car basically so for him to say that was quite something. Jake Hughes looks on the pace straight away. He's obviously had uh, he's had a lot of simulator work. He's been a sim driver for formerly Mercedes over the last couple of years. So he's almost had the perfect running, a bit like Russell into Mercedes in F1, perfect running to Formula E, making his debut when this new regulations always helps as well as that levels the playing field. So I think McLaren are going to be very strong uh, and Rast. I mean, for me, in terms of motorsport over the last decade, he is a top, top driver. Like Porsche become absolutely dominated, top GT driver. Formula E, he's very unfortunate not to get more seasons. He only had that one full season, didn't he, with Audi and was that the COVID year? Roughly it was the COVID year. Yeah, he came in he came in for the Berlin festival, yeah. replacing Daniel Apt and got a podium. Um and then did the full season for Audi's last season and got a couple of podiums through there. Um yeah. but I thought was impressive to get onto the pace of such a comfortable Degrassi so quickly. And what's forgotten about based on where he finished that season was that for the majority of that season, he was in group one qualifying. 
absolutely. So uh, he's a top top driver, and Jake Hughes uh, in F two did quite well actually with Van Amstel yeah, because they were a new team. Uh, he pulled out mid season because uh, presumably he did this formerly role was coming. Uh, so he's looking very good as well. So I think McLaren will be the strongest out of those teams we just mentioned. Interestingly, Mahindra on the media day that was just before the last day, Degrassi and Rollins were kind of writing off their chances of winning, like, you know, just winning races. But then the final day, they improved a lot. So I'm not sure they were just saying that just to tell the press. But they were... Well, it's weird because Freintz and Muller have also, who are driving for the apt Mahindra team, the Mahindra customer team, have been quite low on their chances as well. They're yeah. sort of setting it up for a, a season 10 push a lot more. Yeah, they, they were saying they were going to be in the midfield, but from the pace on the last day, uh, and rely, reliability-wise, they were not too bad. So they could be a surprise as well. And Roland and Degrassi is a really strong lineup. Degrassi is obviously the most experienced driver in Formula E. So not every single race, the only driver to do, to do that. And Roland, we saw a couple of seasons ago in qualified, he was like an absolute demon over one lap, incredible raw pace, such a great talent, uh, which is proven George's junior single seat today. So they've got a great lineup. Uh, I'm pretty sure they will win races this year. It's just how how many for me. Uh, I don't think they'll quite challenge for the championship, but yeah, I'd say they look very strong. And then there's Jaguar, who at the moment don't quite look, who don't look as strong as they have in more recent seasons. But again, I think they can come on because they've got that experience, kept the same driver lineup, kept the seat, kept, kept the same team members. So I think they will come on as well. So there's really at least five or six teams who will be very, very competitive. It's always this is going to come down to who can do it at the crucial moment. It's going to come down to tenths, hundreds of uh, hundreds of a second. Uh, so very exciting. But Maserati do have that slight advantage. Yeah, I think I think we're both putting our hopes on Maserati. Um, we're going to go for a few quick fire things now um, because why wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> driver's champion. Easy, big shot, go. Jean-Eric Verne. Ooh, fun. Yeah. I'm going to go Mortara. Um, he, he said he's been the almost guy. He has, <laughs> he's been second twice, he... hasn't he? Yeah, second, second or third. Yeah. Uh, he had that big crash with, well, he hit Mitch Evans who didn't get off the start line in Berlin. Yeah. A couple of years ago, uh, and, and had a, essentially year. basically had an awful London, and then just put himself out of the title race, and then had yeah, a very I good thought... soul, but wasn't able to pull through with that. Yeah, he led the championship at the halfway point, and then went on a run of four or five races where he didn't mm. score last year. So, yeah, Mortar was a great shot, but yeah, I've got a feeling Vern. We haven't seen the best of him over the last few years. Uh, yes, yeah. Tajita, as it was called then, when he when he was Antonio Felix to Costa's teammate. Uh, I don't think the car, maybe the slightly softer Michelin compound didn't really suit him but I think I think this is suiting him there's harder tyre we see because he drives in work in LMP2 and they've got very hard tyres there so maybe it's a tyre thing for him he likes this harder tyre because he can the way he works it, his driving style uh, hypercar so now Porsche, um, Peugeot yeah um, yeah um, okay team's champion uh DS Penske. I, I agree. I agree. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. Van Dorn and, and Vern is oh. the closest you'll get to a superstar lineup in Formula E. Yeah. Um, 
it, it's basically the, the step up on the Costa and Vern that they had last couple of seasons, in my opinion. Do you think I this think... is the strongest lineup ever we've seen in Formula Van Dorn and Vern? Yeah. Because you know, I'm trying to think of one, or I was trying to think of one, I couldn't. I think if you'd asked me a couple of seasons ago, I would have said Bird and Evans, but Bird's just yeah. been disappointing recently. Um, so he's got a big year ahead of him. But I do think De Costa and Verline is a cracking lineup as well. Um, yes. Yes. I would I would rank the top three lineups in Formula E at the moment: DS Penske, um, Porsche, and then Maserati. Those would be my top yes. three. Um, yeah. Um, I think I'd agree. Maybe have Mahindra in third. Actually, yeah, Mahindra. Good, very good call, actually, Mahindra. Um, yes, but definitely. that shows the, the quality of the grid, yeah, doesn't it? Exactly. I mean, they've all come from different series, like Nick Cassidy's come from Japan, Andre Lotter has raced everything, like <laughs> Super Formula, Super GT, F1, all racing F1. Yeah, we <laughs> did one lap, of, only one lap, unfortunately. But you qualified re- a second ahead of Marcus Ericsson. Just remember yeah. that. I, I really do think the quality of this grid is just as good as F1. Uh, oh, Roland. goodness me. Andretti. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dennis and Lotterer. Yeah. Porsche I power think... unit as well. I reckon they're going to be pretty pretty handy. I, I think Lotterer... It's that doesn't... sort of fourth to seventh mix that we've been talking about, isn't it? Yeah, I think Lotterer's just going to lack a couple of attempts. Uh to me over there. I mean, Dennis, the form he showed at the last end of last season was very good. If he can continue that into this year, he could be winning races as well. Lotterer, not too sure. I'm not saying that he shouldn't be in Formula E, but I just don't think he's quite in that elite bracket they, of drivers. They both have a bit of flair, and I think yeah. the Gen 3 car might suit that. Um, but that's that's pure speculation. Um, <laughs> well, it's not, actually. It's based on what we were saying about the tyre, but um, yeah. Okay, right. Back to the quick fire because that was a long answer. Um, <laughs> who's going to win the first race, Mexico? First race, Mexico. Ooh. I'm going to say Degrassi. Why not? Ooh, that's fun. Just, I'm going to Mexico I'm, and Degrassi. Yeah, it goes well, it. doesn't it? <laughs> I was going to say I'm going to say Gunter. Yeah. Um, and I'm. I've been burned before putting my eggs in the Gunter basket because I tipped him for a lot of championships in Gen 2 and he he's let me down. He's still the but, youngest driver to win a race, I think. That one in Santiago. It was a yeah. brilliant race. Like, brilliant that was win. one of the best races of. Yeah, that was one of the oh, best performances that, I've seen. That that win, his New York win the year later mm. was excellent as well. And the Berlin win he had in end of season six was also very good. His three win, I think they've all been very good wins. Yeah. So I, I, I think he needs to summon a bit more of that because his Nissan year was frankly quite disappointing but I do think this Maserati chance is very good for him yeah um, I agree okay I had another quick fire question but I've forgotten it um, <laughs> what's going to be the best race like in terms of the actual race or just the venue and everything or um, do well I think I think do the, the, the former because I think for venue in that it would probably be London or Berlin yeah, um, well, yeah. The drivers were saying London was the best. Yeah, uh, and me and you went last year. And it was and it was brilliant. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for the racing, I don't, I'm always interested in in the new tracks because I always yeah. think new tracks are just interested in general because it can change things. It levels the playing field. So I'll just say Rio. I'll just I hope there's loads of Degrassi fans and that kind of thing, and then Degrassi's on the podium. I think that'll be quite nice. 
You mean Sao Paulo? Sorry, Sao Paulo. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say Sao Paulo as well because I just thought this is a, a race that could just pop off and be ridiculous. Yeah. And, and they've I been pushing see... for that for a long time for mm. you to go to Brazil as well. I can see it being a race a lot of drivers would want to win. Mm. So I can see that going very nicely. Um, oh, we're agreeing again on things. Awkward. Yeah. With Formula E, we do generally agree on Yeah, we, we do. Agree, we? <laughs> we get a bit more tetchy on our Formula One differences, but Formula E, I don't know, Formula E, the band of brothers has to stick together. <laughs> yeah, people who like together. Formula E. <laughs> um, do you have any quick fire questions, Nigel? This uh, is a quick fire question in itself. Uh, let me think of one. Uh, <laughs> how do drivers will be involved in the title fight, like mathematically going into the final race? Do you think we're going to see more or less compared to previous years? I think or we'll have three, even be three drivers. Three? Okay. I think the duels limits it to not being the 10 people you have going into the final round sometimes. I think it's, mm. I think it's going to be actually relatively similar to the drivers we've had in recent years with Van Dorn yeah. and Vernon Multara or someone like that. Um, yeah. That that's where I'd put my money now. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Verlano da Costa is up there as well, just because they're canny, brilliant operators and they're just getting better and better. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's more, but I'm gonna hedge my bets and say three. I think the last point I wanted to make on in terms of the racing is with the laps format, uh the drivers did they did a mock race in Valencia, uh, Jake Hughes' way, actually, and I think Rene Rass was third, so it was a 1-3-4 McLaren. But they were saying they didn't have to save much energy uh, at all, which is, what. well, some drivers liked it, some didn't. Again, it depends on, do you want to see, if you want to see more overtakes, you need more saving, because then yeah. you see bigger differences. And for me, that's what I hope to see. So I hope in the early races, the FIA can get it right and get... Have enough laps so the drivers do there's, so there's an element of energy saving and we get best yeah. racing because if it is just flat out we will just get a train for most of the race which is what we've got in the mock race in Valencia so that is my that's something out that's something I'm going to be looking out for in the first first few races. I would say a mock race in Valencia isn't anything that should be read into at all. Yeah, because a it's in Valencia, but b with a mock race you're just going to do your own testing program, but yeah. just with another car behind you, and I think. Um, there was a safety good, car good, as well at one it's point. It's good for the systems. Help. It's it's more for Formula E than for the Formula E teams and drivers. But um, I think f- at least for the newer drivers in the, in a team like Rust or Hughes, it's a good time to actually put them in that position, which is why they're sort of probably pushing a bit more. So I wouldn't take too much from that, but it's a good cool thing that they do with their with their systems, and it hopefully leaves them in a good place. Going into Mexico from the operations side, the only the issues obviously we talked about with Gen Three earlier will be there, but like that race can carry on. You can have a couple of cars going into the garage, but it's kind of normal for a test race, and we'll have to see what happens with Gen Three Formula E Season Nine. <laughs> it's still a World Championship, um, in case you forgot. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have a new Formula E World Champion at the end of july in london is going to race through but saturday the 14th of january will be round one mexico city um it's going to be run by degrassi or gunter um <laughs> because we've decided that then there's a couple of weeks then we've got a double header in 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 diria then we go to india cape town sao paulo double header berlin monaco 
doubleheader in Jakarta, which was a huge race last year. Huge. That's going to be a yeah. fan favorite race for a lot of people, I reckon, this year. Portland, which will be odd. Doubleheader Rome <laughs> and finale doubleheader in London in the end of July. And I so, should hopefully be at at least half of those races. Probably. That's insane. Like, definitely the jealous. European Definitely the European ones, which I've had the seven out of the 16. I'm going to try and go to a few out of my own pocket um, (laughs) and see what I can do with those. Uh, We'll try and bring you more Formula E episodes throughout the year. Um, It's going to be easier at the start of the year when there's not so much Formula One to talk about. Um, It's going to be difficult when there are Formula One and Formula E clashes and Nigel's in India or something. But um, (laughs) we'll we'll, we'll try and do a few more of these because, frankly, I've really enjoyed this because I just love talking about Formula E. and hopefully you've enjoyed it as well. Hopefully you've enjoyed it, Nigel. Hopefully. Yeah, I just want to say one last thing, Freddie, because uh, I forgot to say it at the start of this podcast and forgot to say it in the last podcast as well. Uh, uh, yes. but there was some sad news last week that Ken Block uh, sadly passed away at the age of uh, 55, which is, yeah, it was just a massive surprise, unfortunately, because he had a snowmobile accident when he was filming. Uh, but he is, I don't like using the the word legend a lot, but he is a legend, yes, a, is. A, a pioneer is the word I'd use for, off, for modern off-road racing and just, it's, he's helped so many series like Extreme E, uh, the Rallycross, Nitro and World RX, he's played a part as well, just the technology making off-road cool essentially with the with his yeah. Jim Carter stuff and which have I think like over 730 million views in total, which for off-road or even for, even for motorsport it's just unbelievable just the car control the way he can feel he felt the engine the chassis the tires everything it's just it's something you can't teach but he clearly, clearly had that talent from such a young age so yeah i just want to pay tribute to that because the flamboyance that he had and then he wasn't too bad when he raced in the championships as well considering he was doing so many off track stuff and wasn't just focusing on a championship, so just an incredible character. And just, yeah, just a sad miss that he's, that he's gone. He's an absolute superstar. And I think I speak for you and for most people I know that it definitely had an empty feeling and yeah. still doesn't really feel true in yeah. in the worst possible way. And yeah, he, he Ken Block is, an edge, is, a, is a legend in my opinion. I, I know it's an overused term, and like you say, but for me, he is a legend. He is yeah. the driver for this style, and that's the status he deserves and the status he will have for all of us as we go forward as well. And it's tremendously sad news. So, yeah, well said, Nigel. Um, that 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 wraps up our, our Formula E preview episode, really, there. Yeah. Um, Saturday, the 14th of January, go to Formula E website to sort of find out where to watch it and how to watch it because it's it's Formula E, so it's all over the place. It'll be um, on Discovery Plus, so I have to say that's because of my job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there we go. Watch it on Discovery Plus because Nigel <laughs> gets paid by them. But, um, <laughs> but also, I'll probably watch it on Channel 4. Um, <laughs> that's an alternative option, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, thank you very much for listening. This has gone on for longer than we thought, but that's good because Formula E and Formula E is back and we're happy about it. And enjoy. Have a great time and see you again soon, guys. Goodbye.